There seems to be some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Welcome to Unlimited with Roxanne and Ace. It's a great joy and privilege to have you here. We have more fun than we should be allowed to have, don't you think? Yeah, it's one of those where now you know why people go back to Disney more often. Like, hey, weren't you just there? It's too much fun. I can't stay away. So. Uh, we, don't, we don't know if it's necessarily a Disney experience for you, but it feels that way for us. So we appreciate you subscribing, liking, following us wherever you are, so that way you catch new episodes. Of course, normally each week kind of starts on a lighter side, but a lot of heavy stuff's been happening this week. So as the wife of a former elementary school principal, when I hear school shooter, yep. it's really dramatic. Well, it is for everybody. And then we learn in an affluent neighborhood where they were paying $16,000 per student to go to this lovely private school, a church school, that a 28-year-old shooter went inside. And at first they were saying it was a female teenager. And I said, that that has to be wrong. Yeah. You know, my background is news directing. And that's all I did was breaking news for about 15 years. Never, ever have I covered a news story with a female shooter. And that they have just released the video of her destroying the glass and walking straight through the door and then going straight to the second floor and looking very determined to murder people, in my oh-so-humble opinion. Yeah. And this is a person we have since learned that was going through emotional problems. Her parents didn't feel like she should have a weapon. She had legally obtained them. You know, at the time we're recording this, this is the latest information we have as six are dead. Horrifying. Horrifying. Yeah. Well, and I've got a lot of friends that are in that neighborhood. They didn't have any kids at that school, but, you know, they drive by that school every day or they have lunch in that neighborhood. And so my heart was, uh, you know, hey, was that your school for your kids? You know, because if you know anybody that lives in a city when stuff like this happens, you immediately check on them. Uh, but just heavy hearts. I mean, to think about six-year-olds having not, it's not even just praying for the families that lost their children, but the fear that these kids had to be put through and how the residual of that, I mean, there's such a lingering effect that, you know, we, we see and we hear about it from all the school shootings that have gone on over the decades. But no matter how safe we try to make our schools, there's that time that something happens and we just have to give it to God. I will say the police were there within 14 minutes and took care of the shooter. Yeah. That's swift. And, you know, with the, the latest big shooting in Texas where there was a lot of controversy as to waiting outside hearing shots, that yeah. was not the case here. And I think it could have been far worse. We'll find out more. And then the tornadoes. You know, an, an F2 is awful, an F3 is incredible, but an F4 has 170 mile per hour winds. I mean, they these cities in Mississippi that were hit, very poverty-stricken cities, mm -hmm. when they say obliterated, 
it looks like there's just really nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and the thing that I will say, I think after Hurricane Katrina, you know, FEMA and a lot of the other organizations, Red Cross, so forth, they are much quicker to get supplies and shelters and, you know, all the things that are needed to provide, but still, you know, people are rebuilding from scratch in a lot of the cases. And so our hearts just go out to them as we, you know, start into, you know, winding down school year. I mean, that's like, it's just like the trifecta of a lot of things for a lot of families and, and, you know, tragedy is never convenient. That's why it's a tragedy, right? But just, you know, praying for a lot of families that have been affected between the school shooting and these tornadoes. We just know that uh, any, any time that you hear of anything that you can get involved to help them, you should. And obviously with prayer is where it starts. Absolutely. Speaking of prayer, how comfortable are you within the office place sharing your faith? There's a fabulous article about how to share your faith, be the resident Christian in your office without being a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I will say this, like I, I, I'm one of those and, and say what you will, whether you agree with me or not, I'm not one to go, hi, I'm Ace, I'm a believer. Like, that's not my thing. I'm more of a, hey, what kind of music do you like? Hey, you want to go, you know, grab a drink or, hey, what are you doing for lunch? Like getting to know people's lives and stories and kids and whatnot is to me that relaxed state that when you're in the office place and, and hopefully it's not frowned upon where you are that you can express. But a lot of times we forget that it's through just normal conversation and then people go, you know, you said you're going through this thing with your family and how are you so chilled about it? Well, <laughs> you know, and then you could just roll right into how God is helping you through it. Or if you are struggling to be transparent in that moment. I was in the newsroom once, wasn't a believer, and a young intern walked in and she was talking to me about an issue in her family. And in the middle of it, she quoted scripture and it it felt so beautiful and so genuine. Yeah. And I thought, wow, she remembers that. And wow, she believes that. And wow. She's kind of amazing. And so I think there are ways, like you said, get to know someone, perhaps mm -hmm. sprinkle it into the conversation where it feels natural. And here's the other thing, and the article's kind of blunt. It says sometimes we need to shut up. Mm -hmm. And I just remember trying to share the Lord with my brother, and I could hear, hear the Holy Spirit just say, do not say a word. And it was very hard for me, especially as a brand new Christian, as an adult, a brand new Christian. I mean, my Bible was with me at lunch at my mm. desk mm -hmm. at night. I mean, I just got the Jesus bug yeah. and I was asking everybody, what is a Gentile? You know, things that you ask in Sunday school, I'm yeah. trying to learn. I'd be in like, is, does Jesus come back and he's in this robe and there's seven lampposts and what's that all about? <laughs> just, you know, yeah. and, and I could just hear the spirit gently say, do not talk to your brother about it. So I think we need to ask the Lord, when is a good time? Do you want me to share my faith with someone in the office? Yeah, absolutely. And I know one office that you can talk about Jesus in, and that is Birmingham Mortgage. To Ren and his team, that is the foundation when it comes to needing that refi or needing to even get pre-qualified before you go look at a house. To Ren and his team, they will take care of you, and it all starts at the faith base. I mean, that is where Ren's heart is and his team, and they want to help serve you. 
it's more than just a transaction. You're more than just somebody they can make a buck off of. I mean, Turin yeah. really researches. He's going to save you money. He's such a good, sweet man. And I've had dear friends that have used him who were like, we've become personal friends. And he's great at what he does. You know, you don't want to hire the mortgage guy and, and lose money. Right. And he he knows every program out there to make it work for you. And let's let's face it, it's tough out there if you're trying to buy a home right now. Do not go it alone. Get pre-qualified. Get that letter to make it easy. And Turin, you you will love him. Both Ace and I have used Turin. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful experience. So go to behammortgage.com or pick up the phone 205-259-1656. It will be one of the best decisions you've ever made. Promise. I know that uh, when it comes to decisions, I, I was a little appalled. And maybe you can help me wrap my mind around this woman being so upset. I Like on your wedding day? I mean, or at least when you're in the, the presence of that, at least. Well, here's a story, and it went viral, and we'll see what you think. A wedding guest was friends with the bride and said, listen, I, I need to know kind of expenses. I'm on a tight budget. I'm Ubering to your wedding. Am I going to need any money once I get there? Well, the mm. bride said no. Well, then she gets, it's time to have a sit-down meal. And on the meal at the wedding as a guest are prices next to the food that she could not afford. So here's where a lot of people think she made her error. She went to the bride and said, I, I can't afford the $50 steak, I'm, but I'm very hungry. I'm going to leave briefly. There was a McDonald's. <laughs> Sorry. There was a McDonald's five miles down the road. She over there had a Big Mac and went back. Now, the big argument was, should the bride have put a price tag on the food? Should the woman have, I mean, this is a true story. Should the sure. woman have told her, I can't afford your stuff, gone and ate a, a burger and then came back? And the general consensus is people think that there should have been no price tag on the food and... Yeah. The lady could have left and not told her friend, the bride, who was enough to worry right. about, I can't believe you charged me, and oh, by the way, I'm on my way to Mickey D's. Yeah. Your thoughts? I mean, no, I, 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 fine, put the prices on, but at least you gave me like the disclaimer of, hey, if you're going to eat at my wedding, this is the price tag. Okay, but I'm also thinking, how much was the Uber ride, depending upon how far away it was, that only adds cost, could you have just stayed and had the steak anyway? You know, it's just kind of a catch-22 in, in my opinion. Weddings and what happens with weddings get people all wound up. Sure. In a special kind of way. And and that's the thing. I don't know if I should be honored or offended when people ask me to be in their wedding. Because there's so many extra added costs and expenses and expectations and responsibilities. And I, I, I love you, but I don't know if I love you like that kind of, like, I don't want our relationship to be crinkled because of something I either didn't do or wasn't willing to do in your wedding. Well, and then there's the destination wedding where, you know, Ace, we, we really want you at the wedding, by the way, it's in Italy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So no, well, and I just had that. My buddy Ben got married and he's from Tanzania. So he, he was like, Hey man, we'd really love you to come. It's going to be in December. Da, da, da. And I was like, buddy, I love 
you. You are my bro, right? Brother from another mother. But I cannot come to Tanzania with me and my oh, family. I want to go to and, Tanzania. And the videos and the photos were beautiful. And, and I finally got to meet the bride a couple weeks ago. And they're a perfect couple. But and they live in the states, so now I can just literally. He's his house is literally two houses down or two streets over from oh. one of my daughter's best friends. So I'm like, hey, if you don't mind, I'll drop her off. We'll just come hang on the porch. He's like, yeah, man. It's like because if you're not in Tanzania, I will be there for you like that. <laughs> so that 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 is a very valid point. So some tips for your buddy Ben, newlywed about how to be compatible. They say if you're compatible in these areas, your likelihood to stay together is vastly better. And a lot of it comes down to style. If one of you is a spender and another is a saver, mm -hmm. they say if you're on the same page with that, it's better. I mean, I'll be down, I'll admit, I'll be down to $2.50 and Wayne will save He'll have three pairs of shoes that he'll hang on to. Yeah. And so we've had to really have a lot. Well, he's had to have a lot of love and grace about it. Yeah. Because if you give me five, I'll probably spend $4.95. Sure. But the thing is, and this brings up a good point, and I, I won't say that it's always guys, but Wayne and I are at least in the same boat. So I'll say for Wayne and I, we'll hang on to the shoes and the pants and the, you know, I'll wear a fedora that's 15 years old just because I don't want to spend money to buy another one, you know, cause we, we will do the thrift stores or the hand-me-downs or the whatevers, you know, so for me to pay like full, well, not even full price for me to buy new clothes for myself or spend money on me. I just, I don't do it. Like it, it has to be like a really good deal. And I come home and I'm bragging more about the price tag of what I saved. You know how they put on the receipt, you know, you saved, you know, $60. I saved $60. You know, that's, that's the world I live in. So you need to have a plan and, mm -hmm. and discuss finances. That's very, very important. If freedom is very important to one of you and it isn't as important to the others. And by that, I mean, one of you is a go-getter and adventurous. You got to be out. You got to get out. You want to be able to get a yes, yes, yes to everything last minute. And the other's more of a homebody. You got to work through those things too. Well, and you also have to realize that, and you should state this early on in your relationship. I'm not here to make you happy. Your joy comes from within. And then I will celebrate you at every open opportunity. But if I'm here to make you happy, we're going to have a problem because there will be days that I won't. And then what does that say about our love? What kind of condition is our relationship in the long term? Are we holding grudges? Like there's just a lot of layers that get left undealt with if you don't remove that role or, or responsibility from your spouse. So you have to have that. So when you talk about the freedoms, that's one of those freedoms of you're free from making me happy and vice versa. But Wayne does make me so happy. Sure. Because he I gives don't... you freedom. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Well, that's true. I don't wake up and go, it's your job to make me happy today. So uh, I really do. I really do appreciate that, that. The other thing is significance. You know, you really want to have a life of meaning. And if there are things that you can do together, like maybe serving in church or with a charity or yeah. like Tawny and her incredible musical ability, you know, you play all these in instruments and write beautiful music. The two of you can get together and have a creative contribution to the world. And 
It's so good to see. Yeah, uh, we enjoy it. It's it's great. So I'll ask you this: How much? Because this is a big point within marriages is screen time. Like, how much sure. screen time do you got? Like, because I know for Tony and I, we've come to this. Like, we'll say, "Hey, I'm ready for bed." Okay, but what that means is I'm ready for bed, and then for the next 15, 20 minutes, I'm on my phone with TikTok or what you know. So what is, what's the gauging rule at your house? 31% of U.S. adults and 46% of U.S. teens say they are on the internet, get this, almost constantly. Mm. How much is too much? You know, I, I really love social media and, and that can be irritating. If I'm looking at my phone, yeah. I get highly amused by things on TikTok, and I do share them with Wayne now, so he understands why I'm dying laughing. There's right. some funny stuff on there, sure. and so I can share that with him, but we don't need to be hours and hours and hours a day. So for on there almost constantly, U.S. teens, 67% of them use TikTok, and they're on it almost constantly. Yeah. I believe it. I mean, it's one of those where now I've got my feed to the point of the things that I'm interested in. So I'm not seeing the dumb stuff <laughs> or at, at least what's dumb to me. You know, it's I all like subjective the dumb stuff makes me laugh. <laughs> and sometimes I do. And, and there are things that end up in my feed because my wife will send me something and I'll watch it. So then like, Ooh, algorithm, bling, new things. And then there's, <laughs> 80 videos like that one. Um, but the only one I ever liked was the one she sent me. So she gets me in that. But it is that understanding for us screen time. Because, I mean, you know, for what I do for work, what we do for a living, like that's very much staying in the know and staying tapped into all that. That's important. But there also needs, because I find those moments where it's like, you know what, I'm just going to unplug. Like when the kids come out and they plop down on the couch, they want to have conversation. I'm like, okay, off the devices. Let's just, what you guys want to talk about? And as long as it's not, you know, about like, you know, farting and boogers, then I'm engaged in the conversation, you know, and that's the time when I'm like, I'm going to lose myself in TikTok for a minute. <laughs> it's relaxing, but if it's relaxing mm -hmm. and turns into 18 hours, then sure. we've got a problem. Well, we started the beginning of this podcast with some of the disturbing news that's going on in the world. And, and sometimes I get a dis-ease about mm. things and, and going to the Lord is what I do. And in Romans chapter 15, it ends with the apostle Paul saying, now the God of peace be with you all. And that's really what we need is to pause and breathe and realize that God's got us. Psalm 91, we're under his wing. I love Psalm 91. Yeah. It's just because it talks about all of the attacks against us. You know, a soldier fresh from Iraq came back in the studio once and repeated Psalm 91, all of it by heart. Mm -hmm. And by the end of it, I was weeping because our God loves us and he protects us. And yeah. we feel so weak and frightened by the things that go on in the world. Yeah. And hopefully as you've gone through this Lenten season, whether you did a full 40 or you just caught the last four, allowing yourself to surrender that fear to God and just say, I need you to take this, you know, it's the whole, you know, Beatles lyric, the movement you need is on your shoulder, you know, just give it to him and let yourself feel that weight so you can, you know, we're going to get a chance here in a little bit to talk to Casey Thrasher and some of the things he's been through in his life. 
is that same pressure that we can all identify with. While it might not be the same circumstances, it's the weight of that and the fear of what does that mean for me now moving forward and the fear on my family. I mean, there's just a lot of moving parts that until you can surrender that to God, you're never really ever going to conquer it. We can open our Bibles and we can have a sip of the Roxanne blend of coffee. It's found at mybrotherscup.com. It's amazing. It tastes wonderful. Mike Pittman, the owner, has passed away. His wife, Kay, is running it. Mm. And it sends teams all around the world, medical teams, and they say, oh, you're a coffee businessman. Well, come right on in. And then they have an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all financed through the wonderful coffee. So go to mybrotherscup.com. They've even got a cute mugs that go with them that are just, mm-hmm. and the coffee's amazing. So it's good stuff. Mybrotherscup.com. And might even give you an excuse to take your shoes off because there are, <laughs> there are clearly people doing it and refuse to put them back on. For 20 years, I had to share this. You and I have something else in common. We both are not real fond of feet. No. So I found out about a man who has not worn shoes in 20 years. His name is Joseph DeRuvo Jr. He's from Norwalk, Connecticut. And the first thing I thought was, okay, yeah, right. His yeah. name shoes. Because let's, let's face it, it's cold there. I mean, it's really cold. That's the first thing. Well, he's a Pilates guy. So Pilates is nice to be barefooted. So Mm. that makes sense. But the rest of it makes no sense. He says the cold is not all that bad. It's boiling hot pavement that gets in. So he has to walk wherever the shadows are so Mm. it doesn't burn the bottom of his feet. And he says it's given him great empathy for dogs. Because dogs, the pads on their feet get all lit up when it's so hot. Sure. Well, I get that. I mean, I've lived in scalding hot climates and freezing ones, too. I don't know that I want to be barefoot in either one of them. You know, inside my house where it's, you know, hardwoods or carpeted, that's about it. I can't imagine just not not wearing shoes. Well, he's been kicked out of a lot of places. Sure. One time he was in a convenience store and they said, it's against our health commitment for you not to have shoes on your feet. So his wife is like an intermediary because she doesn't want him to get all fired up. So she'll say, we understand we're going to leave the premises now. And she has to do that apparently quite a bit. Now her rule is you do not put your nasty, dirty, who knows right? what's on your foot in my bed. Thank so you. every night he thoroughly bathes and he has, a, this is kind of gross. Can I share? I can talk gross on a podcast. Sure. Go ahead. He is a, sp- <laughs> it just set in, didn't it? It just, <laughs> he has a special kit with tweezers and swabs. Nope. No. And no. he mm. will pick his feet, the stuff that sticks in there. Like in the middle of whatever he's doing in public. So love this guy. I wish him well. But wow, the the foot pick needs to stay away from me. (laughs) There's just some things that there are no couth. And (sighs) it's just kind (laughs) of. Lord help us all. (laughs) I think that's a good note to end on. Go put my shoes on. Can I say I'm envious of. People who have pretty feet. Why would you say you don't have pretty feet? Oh, my feet. 
Oh, Ace, you have not seen my feet, obviously. I not. No. Wayne says, if they're looking at your feet, there's a problem. But that's our joke. But anyway, because I always say, I wish I no one could ever see my feet. <laughs> you know, sure. because my second and oh wow, we're sharing. My second and third toes are longer than my first, and it looks weird. I I can't stand it. Well, when you think about it, I mean, the way we treat our feet, I mean, of course they're going to be mangled and weird and cramping, and it's their feet that get us from A to B. Okay. Well, mine are, are neat Fine. and polished. Well, sure. I mean, you do the mani-pedis and, you know, you take <laughs> care of yourself. But, you know, if you're going to have a toe that dances taller than the rest of them, then you should make it look as pretty as possible. So, do, have you had a pedicure? Oh, no. I You've don't let never anybody, had a pedicure? I don't let anybody touch my feet but me. Like Ever? <clears throat> you have never had a pedicure? Nope. nope. But you've had a manicure? No. Really? Have you met me? How long have we been friends? No way. No way. A pamper day for me is movies, icy, and maybe a shave. That's it. Do you know a lot of men are in the nail salon getting manicures oh, sure. and pennies? I My wife tells me that all the time. She's like, you would love it. I'm like, no. And, and, and here's the thing. I think it's because it's so intimate. And the only yeah. person I want to be intimate with is my wife and God. And God ain't handing out manis. And when I'm with my wife, nails and toes is not at the top of my list. Well, you know what my issue is? I'm horribly ticklish. Oh, so I just squirm the whole time they're doing a pedicure. <laughs> I just think certain things are to be veiled. And my feet are one of them, two of them. That's so funny to me because it just... It seems like you'd be the kind of guy who would be in there getting a mani. I'm glad so, I give off that vibe, but that is not me at all, ever. Because <laughs> like with Holy Week, you know, you got the washing of the feet ceremony. Yeah. No, I'm Whoa. playing my bass. You would not do playing... it? No. But your feet are neat. You don't have like long toenails or something There's, like that. It's, it's, it, it is totally within my own inner soul that it's the problem. They're okay. not stinky. They're not weird. I mean, they, you know, they're feet, right? They just, they got, they got their things, their feet. I don't know how to describe it. My wife says she loves my feet, but Aww. I'm like, good, you should. You know, you're my wife. You're the only person that really probably sees them outside of sand crabs when we go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and then even them are like, ooh, go back in my hole. <laughs> Hi, we're Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. So good to have you with us. And boy, it's so exciting. I've been waiting for this for weeks. The chance to get to talk to this incredible young man that made us all ball sideways. When he was on American Idol seasons 13 and 14, he and Keith Urban became major league buds. He made it all the way to the finals. He represented our state so well. Totally humble. That much talent. I would be walking around ace. I would yeah. be, I would be hard to handle. Okay. Yeah, and 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 if you're a fan of American Idol, the name Casey Thrasher is probably a common household name to you. But we welcome him to Unlimited. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are y'all doing? It's so glad to be here. I'm, I mean, it's so good. I'm, as I said just before this, I've been listening to you guys for so long, and I've known you, Ace, for a while now. And to finally meet Roxanne, this is this is great. So, Casey, we've had several. I guess just say former idol contestants or winners on this show, and they've all told their idol experience, but I'd love to hear from your heart. What was that experience like for you? 
Um, it was very fast paced and very, um, very stressful, but it was also very fun. Um, you know, I had never done well. I was in the army for, for four years prior, just prior. And so I had flown on a plane and, uh, gone around the nation a little bit, but nothing to the extent of American Idol. So the, it was a culture shock for me to be from the country in Alabama and hop on <laughs> planes every week two and three times a week back and forth to la you know atlanta dallas chicago la new york la atlanta back to alabama just all over so that was that was a shock and then i had to be separated from my kids during that too so that was always you know that's always hard um but it was a phenomenal experience i learned the the foundation of what i what i know now from that show so that was, i'm grateful for it so did you really feel it feels like you and Keith Urban just got really close. I mean, what what is he like and what was that experience like learning from him directly? It was awesome. <laughs> he uh, and he gave me my shot. He I discovered me. You know, I told people he discovered me. Um, the show discovered me. But Keith Urban is the one that really took me under his wing. And I had met him at CMA Fest in Nashville the year before or a couple of years before and not seen him since he didn't know me from anybody and <laughs> audition and it was awesome he he took me under his wing and he's a he's a great guy he's a great christian guy and has been through his share of of trials and troubles you know and i look up to him a lot we, we don't talk like frequently but um i still see him in passing in nashville from time to time and i still look up to him yeah. Well, and the thing I love about Idol and really any of the talent competition shows, you don't have to win to go on to have a successful career. So what has God been opening doors for you using the Idol platform? Well, I think a, a certain level of credibility comes from being a finalist on a show like that. So doors that wouldn't open before, you know, are started opening because obviously there's some credibility from having been validated by that level of judges and, you know, producers and the industry. So it opened up a lot of doors. I had never done any recording and I learned how to a little bit about how to sing in the studio on the show and how live camera works and the live just, I mean, I, would, I, I knew nothing. And then when I came off the show, I knew a pretty good bit. So uh, I was much more well equipped to enter the industry and have mm -hmm. all that knowledge. And then, as you said, you don't have to win the show to be successful. Now on American Idol, they actually will tag your social media handles and really help boost your your fan base. They didn't do that when I was on the show a few years ago. Uh, so that could have been better, but social media was still kind of in early stages. It had only been around yeah, for a few yeah. years. So the landscape was different, but um, I've been able to open for a lot of bigger artists and um, I started writing a lot after that. I realized it was not as easy as I, I thought about finding songs and recording them. I was going to have to figure out how to how to do it on my own. So marrying the two of those things together, I've been able to carve out a little path for myself. Yeah. I guess you'd say. So K Casey, it's really important to you to educate <laughs> others about suicide prevention. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, well, it, it's always been a cause near and dear to my heart 
for personal reasons, but um, I had a song that I wrote called Survivor that, to make a really long story short, was picked up by AFSP, which is the foundation that presents the uh, Out of the Darkness walks. And I just, being a veteran and then having that tragedy strike my family in multiple ways and then several very close friends and stuff and uh, mental health, depression, anxiety, uh, is stuff I've struggled with, still do. You know, I think we all do to a certain degree, whether people want to admit it or not. You know, I think that's the first, uh, that's the first step is, is facing it and not, not hiding that we all struggle. So I felt a little bit of a calling to have a voice about that. And the foundation used my song survivor and, uh, for some of their out of the darkness walks and, we were able to create a t-shirt, a merch set up around it and contribute thousands of dollars back to the foundation. And it's been a really cool experience. I think it's important for artists to have uh, some way to give back and something, some ca- cause that they're passionate about to, to kind of coincide with their career as they go. So that's certainly one of mine. What would you say to someone who's facing in the midst of the beginning, like maybe something that happened recently to them that either you learned through your own healing or is it still a struggle? Like for those that have never really been there, they may not be able to know how to console, but you know how to console someone who's in the thick of losing someone in that manner. I don't think there's anything that will truly console it really, but for me i mean i have a i have things i enjoy that i just poured my heart and soul into during those times so music obviously but the family and friendships and relationships i do cherish to make sure that it never happens again and then again my one of my passions is helping educate you know others so that this doesn't continue again mm-hmm. when something like that happens it's too late but for that for that scenario but being able to educate others about how to prevent it more in the future is more my my calling. And I think that we face so much stress and and just bear so much weight. Uh, women and men bear it in different ways, but I, I can't vouch for how women bear, bear it or what they, I think I'll, I will die thinking they're stronger than us. <laughs> I think it's true. So you're not wrong there. I do know as a man, uh, one of the things I've struggled with is we're not allowed, you know, like it seems by society to show weakness or to show that we're struggling or that we're about to break. And so we bury it and, and try to cover it up and be strong until we're just too overwhelmed. And I have taken more of a holistic approach in my life. I don't particularly like, uh, medicine and, and things so through meditation and prayer and exercise and eating right and these are all things i didn't know about years ago i I wasn't raised to to know the things that i know now so just taking every measure i can to make sure that i'm as healthy as possible mentally and physically i think physical health plays a big role they they go hand in hand Mm -hmm. and i've been able to so far keep trucking along and and have more good days than bad days now so that's a blessing tell us more about your faith you mentioned that prayer is super important to you 
Most definitely. I've been in so many situations in my life where prayer is all I all I had to lean on. You know, there were no there wasn't money and there wasn't family and there wasn't even closest friends that I, I should or could have had. And if it were not for my my relationship with the Lord, I know I would have sunk a long time ago. You know, my daughter has some very significant special needs and health issues. And through that decade of, of storm in my life, and it still continues, we just learned how to how to weather the storm a little bit. But, I mean, my faith is all I have. So I really don't know how to compare it to anything else or say how, to, how I've, I've leaned on my faith because that's all I've had for so long. I don't know if that answer makes sense, but that's the best way I can, I can describe it. I, I've just surrendered completely my life to the Lord and, and just, I can't bear the weight of a lot of things on my own, but he can. So that's, that's my best answer. Sounds like a song in the making, Casey. <laughs> Better get to writing to that. <laughs> come back and watch this. I'll come back and watch our, our podcast, just, our just interview. Take notes. <laughs> just put us in your liner notes. Just a, just a shout out. That's all we need. We don't ask for much. All right. I'll do it. So, Casey, I want to ask you, as dad to dad, tell me your favorite thing about your kiddos right now that you just in the, the era that they're in. Whew. I know it's hard to pick, but so hard they grow pick. up fast. So I'm trying to stop I'm trying to get you to take that mental picture because, like, I got the adult daughters and I've still got some at home. So before you know it, you blink and you're like, wait, I, I just I just want to pick them up one more time. You know, <laughs> well, time is our most precious commodity. Mm. everything else we can get back but time time never stops and that's something i tell my son every day i mean every day and it's just to try to savor the moment so i would give anything to go back to each stage of his life and um both of their lives but he and i have a different relationship than he and my there than myself and my daughter do because she's nonverbal, so she doesn't talk but I love watching him play sports. I love just the innocence of his life. You know, life's good. Life's all sunshine and rainbows. There's, <laughs> there's no clue of this big old crazy world. And there's such a beauty in that innocence. And so I'm just trying to just press slow motion on the clock. Yeah. Uh, because I know these days won't last forever. And I even have a song I've been writing a lot lately. And I got I mentioned something about that in one song. I said, um, let me think. I'm sorry, listeners. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to remember the new ones you just wrote. <laughs> the ones you sing a million times, you're like, I know that one. <laughs> it's a song called Soak It Up. I don't know if that song will be released or even included on anything, but it's just an artistic expression. And mm-hmm. anyway, it's about that very... It's about that very thing. The first verse talks about uh, a, a baby being born, and in my case, is my son. And before it says five pounds and 19 inches, trucks and trains and birthday wishes. You take a nap, blink your eyes, and they're in school. Mm. In dugouts and sideline benches, then they make their own decisions. And all of a sudden, holding hands ain't too cool. And then, uh, Precourse says, then they grab their keys and pull out of your drive. 
grow up and meet their husbands, meet their wives. Just bang, bang, bang. And the second verse talks about your parents. You know, you're watching them get older. Daddy's losing his hair and mom's sitting in a rocking chair. And she's talking about the pie and dishes she makes. And dad's talking about his lawnmower blades and the weather. And you just kind of scurry through the, the conversation. And then all of a sudden they're gone. Yeah. And um, then at the end, the point I'm, I'm trying to drive home here is in every situation, um, we can get so consumed in the day-to-day hustle and bustle, but and then we're always talking about the good old days. So the point I'm trying to make with the song is the good old days are happening right now. Yeah, I think that's an office quote. If if we only knew we were in the good old days while we were in them, we right. would enjoy them more. Yeah, that's the good valid. old days is today, right now. Like we're <laughs> yeah. going to look back on this interview and Amen. these are the good old days. And if we live our life like that, I think there's something beautiful to be taken from that. So that's one insight that I've gained from almost losing a child, you know? Yeah. Incredible. So, so what do you enjoy the most? <laughs> Is it the performing, the connection with the audience, writing the music? What is your favorite part of being an incredible musician? Oof. I love all of it. It's, it's like, it's, uh, it's like, it's my lifeblood. So there's no way to, to narrow down what part I, I like the most. I enjoy recording. I enjoy writing. I, there's a lot of healing in writing for me. Yeah. Um, oftentimes I can put my my deepest feelings whether they're good or bad into into a song whereas i can't just sit down and communicate it so that that's helpful for me but at the end of the day i would probably say playing live that that's probably the most special thing to me because and i have to remember this and i tell my guys this all the time before we play we're just going to work we're just going to clock in per se to do our show but these folks off they've got all this stuff going on in their life many of them working jobs they don't like or, or have family health issues going on or financial problems or god knows what going on and they're coming out to watch us play to get a little little break from that so if we just go treat it like work you know we're their break we're their we're their vacation for a little while and they're coming to spend some of their hard earned money and most importantly, their time to spend some time with us. Ace, you saw it at the hockey game not long ago and bulls, you know, there's 4,000 people there. I can only imagine what stories would come from all 4,000 of those people. You know, that's not 4,000 perfect lives that are just coming to the hockey game. There's a lot of pain and suffering and, and who knows what in that room, but for 30 or 45 seconds, even we could just captivate them for just a second and just keep them right there. And, and that's the best medicine in the world music. Yeah. So playing live is my, my favorite part of my, my life, my job anyway. It's so great. Casey, before we let you go, man, we always like to ask our artists, what do you love about where you are with God right now? Sorry for the pause. You guys asked me some deep questions. You're all right. <laughs> That's what we do on this show. <laughs> oh. Ask me. Ask me one more time. 
So what do you love about where you are with God right now? Me, me personally, mm-hmm. my life, I would say I'm thankful, first of all, for the, the struggles and the, the life I came from, my upbringing, my roller coaster of a life for the last 10 years. Because if I had not gone through those things, I mean, I feel like my faith and my personal relationship with the Lord is so incredibly strong, maybe and not to compare to anyone else's relationship with the Lord. That's their, you know, their personal um, relationship. But I can I can vouch for mine and say that if, if I had just gone and been a coal miner like I was supposed to. And just found, tried to find love and and gotten married and settled down and planned a family and had beautiful, healthy children and did the ABC one, two, three approach of how my life I thought was going to go. I I would not have the, the deep connection and the deep faith in the Lord that I have because it's through all the adversity that I faced through being in the army and separated from my family through entertainment, through almost losing a child, through a family being torn about, torn apart, multiple deaths in my family, depression and anxiety, financial struggles, physical uh, health problems, all these storms in my life. If it were not have been for all of them, I would have not, I wouldn't have the, the level of relationship and faith that I do in the Lord right now. So I'm most thankful probably for the struggle because I truly believe this in my heart. I don't think there's there's any situation that could be thrown at me now that I would that I would not that I would be so upset or scared that I would not be able to completely trust the Lord to handle. Amen. Because I've been there so much and it's like all I've known for so long that and I'm I'm still here. I'm still here, you know, we're, we're all still here and I'm still doing what I love. And even on my worst days, I know that. And so whether it be a health struggle tomorrow or God forbid a car accident today or anything, I don't think there's anything. I truly believe that in in my life. I don't think there's anything he could throw at me that I don't think I could lean on him and get through now. Um, I wouldn't have said that 10 years ago. So I'm very grateful for that. So great. Well, Casey, we appreciate your time, man. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you and find you on what's coming next? Well, the new world of social media. (laughs) My handle is at Casey Thrasher Country across all platforms. So wherever you want to find it. Uh, If you guys go listen to some of my old music. I feel sorry for you because it was bad. (laughs) But good news is. The old stuff's coming down, the Baby Casey stuff, and I have a whole arsenal of new great music coming out in this year, God willing, yeah, into nice. next year. Got some great things lined up, and our following is growing pretty pretty quickly, pretty rapidly, which I'm I'm grateful for. So, the more people follow me and, and join our our bandwagon, the more people we bless back. Mm-hmm. So, this is my my dream. I'm living my dream one day at a time. Casey Thrasher Country. 
Thrasher, you are amazing. Uh, such a talent and such a beautiful human being. It has been such a joy getting to know you. Thank you for sharing your heart about intimate and important things and for being so much fun to hang out with. We loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate you hanging out with us and enduring all conversations really? this week. But we hope you have a great <laughs> Holy Week and uh, we will see you back next week. Roxanne, I love you. I love you so much. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneandAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.